0: In Millhaven, just saying, and I am just saying that I'm Tom Beckham
1: McGraw Millhaven here on the Big 550 KTRS.
0: So, no, no, you are not on the radio. This is a podcast, and much different than being on the radio.
1: Yeah, I enjoy being on the radio without you. That's the difference. <laughs>
0: Out, why are you starting at me already? we haven't even even got going here, already. already you're picking on
1: me. What's the deal? Well, because we've been doing this podcast for almost a year now, and you finally figured out how the audio works.
0: So. Well, first of all, it's not been almost a year,
1: um, but it's been it's been what four or five months or so. Yeah, you're right. oh, shit. yeah, so yeah. Anyway, anyway, all right. So, so do we? I uh, can I can we talk about Herschel Walker? Oh, I he's on my list to talk about. So I. I, I mentioned it today on the show on the Big 550 KTRS. Um, where, 550. where you can be
0: heard on KTRS.com <laughs> uh, every morning from 6 till 10 a.m. Central Time. So, anything, I, else, anything else you want to plug before we get into the podcast?
1: I mentioned the fact that, you know, Herschel Walker is, you know, a Senate candidate and that um, there's a story in the Daily Beast that he paid for, you know, he's anti-abortion for, for any um, you know, for any reason, incest, you know, life of the mother, rape. Yet this story comes out nine years ago. Uh, this story comes out today, nine years ago. He paid for his girlfriend's abortion. She has receipts, bank accounts, a note from him in his handwriting, all of that's Right. And I said, boy, hypocrisy at its worst. All right. People start calling up me, why are you pushing your agenda? What kind of liberal are you? What in the world, <laughs> how is that humanly possible that I I am getting yelled at because Herschel Walker paid for an abortion 10 years ago? What kind of a liberal are you that want integrity with your elected officials? I mean, it's unbelievable, these people. It's not... It's not, oh, my goodness, I can't believe Herschel Walker is caught in a lie paying for an abortion, telling me he's pro-life, but he's really not. It's what kind of liberal are you pushing this agenda?
0: Well, the thing with this, well, first of all, OK, and here's a problem that we have, that you have, I have, I think a lot of Americans have, OK? You get, you get four phone calls from some idiots, and therefore like all these people feel that way. The reality is, is that that's not the case. Uh, you know, doing talk radio for all the years that I did talk radio, I know that I would find a story about some nut job in Florida, and all of a sudden, you know, be like every liberal was acting this way, or every conservative was acting this way, and it was just some nut job in Florida acting that way, you know, so we got to put some of this in context. I think overall, I think overall, you find people have a lot more integrity than uh, perhaps uh, the the ones that are crawling your talk show or the ones that are defending Herschel Walker blindly uh, just because, uh, you know. Uh,
1: you know what, while I agree with that in some instances and there are some pro-lifers who will be aghast by this and offended that he said one thing and did another, especially when it comes to, um, you know, the life of an innocent fetus. But let's see how many Republicans denounce Herschel Walker, right? The party ain't going to leave him. Mitch McConnell ain't going to leave him. The Republican Party's not going to leave him. Rick Scott's not going to leave him. So let's see who actually says, "I." And this is a bridge too far for me. You paid for an abortion, and now you're claiming you're pro-life. Let's see. Let's see how many people. It's
0: even deeper than that, okay? I mean, have you seen the, the, the tweets and the video that his son put out? Oh my God! You know, I mean, his son is just blasting him. You know, well, for the lies and the hypocrisy.
1: Well, he's already running neck and neck with this guy, and you know, it's been well reported that he held a gun to his wife's head. That he's got all sorts of mental problems. Not that that doesn't, um, you know, disqualify you, but <laughs> the 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 violence that has been associated with him and women is 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 not denied. And yet the guy's running neck and neck with this other guy.
0: Well, because he's a Republican. You see, and that's, I think, the the real problem here is too many people see themselves as Republican or Democrat, and not enough people see themselves as Americans. I heard uh, General Mattis, Mad Dog Mattis, uh, spoke last night in Omaha. And uh, I heard him speak. And he was talking about the extremism and the danger of the extremism. And although he didn't really ever bring Trump up by name, uh he talked about uh he talked about, you know, the the dangers of what the Republican Party is going through right now, without, you know, calling out any individuals or any uh, party in general necessarily, but um I was just talking in general terms about it to a largely Republican audience.
1: How and, was that received?
0: You know, there was polite applause for some of his uh, talking points.
1: Did he get booed?
0: He never got booed. He never got booed. Um, but it was uh, it was a an interesting um,
1: you what, know, what was he in town for? Uh,
0: Bellevue University has a thing called the Signature Series. Every year they bring in some
1: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. some
0: speaker. You know, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, last last year it was Gary Sinise talking about all the work that he does with veterans. And this year it was uh, General Mattis, and. Uh, and it was fascinating. I mean, the 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 talk was fascinating. Uh, him talking about uh, the the dangers of Russia and China, and uh, talking about uh, the dangers of uh, this is interesting. He said that um, for years he did this, and he, he believes that most every other general did it as well. That when came election time, uh, and and actually he said that well throughout this time being a soldier. Come election time, he would never vote for president. He would always vote for, you know, the senator or the congressman or he'd vote for his mayor. Uh, but he would never vote for the president because he didn't want to feel like, you know, his guy won or lost because he was going to, you know, follow the orders of the commander in chief, which, uh, you know, is, is a, a very noble um, attitude.
1: You know, I, I've heard quite a number of journalists say the same thing that yeah. um, they don't vote because they don't feel it's appropriate. That will sort of besmirch their, you know, their sort of uh umpireness, if you will.
0: And you and I, on the
1: other hand, are commentators.
0: So it's not quite the same thing. But I think from a journalist's perspective, I think that's the honorable thing to do.
1: Is, well, look, uh, I mean, I know you and you know me. You know I voted for Democrats and I have voted for our Republicans and, you know. Yeah. Um, You know, we voted for and against certain things and I'm liberal on some things, conservative on other things. But I I, this this whole notion of, you know, I here here's the playbook with Herschel Walker. Um, Yeah. Well, I don't care what he does in his private life. It's how he votes and he's going to vote pro-life. So I don't care what he does in his private life.
0: Well, that's what uh, all the evangelicals, how they got behind Donald Trump. You know, I mean, that, that was it pure and simple. It was, yeah, you know, we don't care if you want to spank some um, uh, uh, porn star with a magazine cover as long as you get us uh, Supreme Court justices.
1: Actually, it, well. actually, we don't care if you write a check in the Oval Office on the Resolute desk as hush money to a porn star to keep you out of hot water. We just want your Supreme Court justices.
0: But, but, quite honestly, writing a check to a porn star on the in the Oval Office—that's uh, a tradition that's been going on since Millard Fillmore. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a try. Of fact, that's sort of a rite of passage for president, you know. Oh, Herbert Hoover, Herbert Hoover. wrote. I don't know how many porn star checks he wrote. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you? Do you remember when they were offended when, um, when President Obama was filmed in the Oval Office not wearing a jacket? and he was not honoring the office. We've come a long way from those days.
0: Oh god. Oh, you know, I <laughs> go back on some of these things it just boggles your mind, you know. Um and here's the thing. I I do think I do think that overall more people have got common sense than what, you know, you see in the media or what you see and you know from these politicians. The uh I I make this analogy uh, tonight when I talk about uh the, um, uh, or I, I just, by the time this goes, uh, I made the, the comment on uh, Tuesday when I uh, talked about meeting General Mattis. And uh, I mentioned that uh, the extremes are like a crying baby on the airplane. Everybody's focusing on that damn crying baby, where most everybody else just wants to get to where they're going in peace, you know? And I think that's sort of what Americans are like. Most Americans just want to live their life in peace, live, let them alone. But we pay all this attention to the crying babies on the right. And the prime baby is on the left.
1: Well, according to Marjorie Taylor Greene, Democrats want to kill a Republican.
0: Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, God. I know. And that's it. Uh, 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 the, 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 people like that. It's just.
1: I know. It's, I can't
0: fathom. It, it, I mean, I, I can't know, fathom. I
1: know. I know. I know. I Can we fathom. talk about something that is really, truly heartbreaking? How my Mets, my Mets got swept by the Atlanta Braves over the weekend.
0: Are you out of the playoffs now?
1: No, we're in the playoffs, but we're going to, the Mets are going to have to play the first round, probably against the Padres. Um, And then they're going to face the Dodgers in the second round. They would have had a bye in the first round, man. Being a Mets fan is like being, you know, being Charlie Brown with Lucy in the football.
0: I saw as a matter of fact, I was telling somebody about this today. We were talking about baseball. I was talking to a friend about this today, about how you being a big Mets fan, uh, when the, the Mets were playing Kansas City, how we went to the World Series games in Kansas City, uh the, the first two games when uh the Mets and the Royals met and Before the games, it was so much fun. We were talking smack and giving each other a hard time, and it was a lot of fun. Man, we were just having the riot and enjoyed most of the game. I enjoyed both of the games. You enjoyed parts of both games. And then afterwards, you just became like despondent afterwards. (laughs) It was like, like, all right, but let's go out for a drink. No, I think I'll just go to the hotel and uh, curl up in the fetal position and cry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, game game one, pitch one, Alex Gordon Husker <laughs> hits an inside the park home run, and I didn't know whether to laugh, cheer, or cry. I mean, it was nuts. <laughs> they talk about talk about a, a twisted emotions. Yes, no, wait, oh, what am I doing? What am I? Who am I cheering for?
0: <laughs> you know, that that may be one of the most iconic things I've ever seen in a ballpark. You know, it's just yeah. First batter up, first game of the World Series, and inside the park home run
1: by a Husker against your favorite team. Well, so, no, not
0: my favorite team, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But hey, there's plenty of room on the on the Guardians' bandwagon. My Guardians are hot coming into the uh, into the playoffs. I'm optimistic.
1: Guardians, Schmardians. How'd your uh, Browns do over the weekend?
0: Um, first of all, they're not my Browns anymore. I'm I'm, I'm boycotting the Browns, um, but evidently from reading the scores. Evidently, the Browns are lost once again in the fourth quarter, which
1: is you know, oh. what they always do. Uh, how about Tom Brady? Did you see that story? Did you watch page six? Do you read page six?
0: Um sometimes i' don't, I don't think I've seen this. Uh,
1: apparently, <laughs> apparently Giselle Bündchen and Tom Brady have hired divorce lawyers.
0: well, i I, I saw that uh, the the Giselle was uh, like messing around with Antonio Brown or something.
1: Really? Yeah yeah oh yeah yeah well yeah. i don't i mean i don't buy that but i mean apparently they've been living separately and she's been unhappy with him going back and who knows what but apparently according to page six they're hiring uh divorce attorneys
0: you know that's gotta be tough for a woman to know that uh her husband loves football more than uh he loves her
1: and the kids uh you know it is it is weird the guy's won seven World Series. You know, he's, oh, he's, 40 won one something.
0: World. he's not won a single
1: World Series. Oh, well, you know, what I mean. seven Super Bowls.
0: Yeah.
1: He, he's uh, 45 years old, right? Can't you pack it in for your wife and kids? And oh, no, no, he needs one more. I mean, talk about these people. They just, they have, they have different mindsets than the rest of us.
0: But, but, but yeah, but here's the difference here, though. He's still getting it done. I mean, it's not like Babe Ruth at the end of his career, you know, or he was just uh, uh, such a shadow of him, of his former self. You know, I mean, you know, Brady is still a uh, viable quarterback. No, I can, get that, but if, he's you done still, it if you can seven still times. do it and you still enjoy it and they still want to pay you all this money to do it, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's like, look, the Rolling Stones are still out there getting it done. McCartney's still out there getting it done. Springsteen's getting up there in years, and he's still getting it done. I mean, why not?
1: Yeah, but it's a little different. They're not trying to kill uh, Mick Jagger on stage, and he's not getting head traumas every time he sings like a Rolling Stone.
0: Well, first of do all, one, they
1: sing that song. No, 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 that, <laughs> that's Bob Dylan.
0: You don't know sports. You don't know music. Why am I even have you on this podcast? I'm voting on this podcast to uh, clear up your uh, misstatements.
1: I, I ain't got no satisfaction. How about that? They sing that song. <laughs> that,
0: that isn't one of their songs. Yes. Wow. Very good.
1: Thank you. I missed. I missed uh, the Rolling Stones. I don't really get them.
0: You do have. You do have some of the weirdest tasted music.
1: Weirdest. Well, Not traditional tasted music. All right. Music. That might all be right straight up. What is the most embarrassing song on your iPad right now?
0: Oh, jeez. The, the the most see I I'm never very good at like lists like the, my favorite anything yeah so to say the most I don't know that this is the most uh-huh. but there is there's a novelty song I just because it just came up on the rotation the other day so it's the first one on my mind um, it's a song called Get Your Ass to Cleveland which is <laughs> just, just a novelty song that really would mean nothing to anybody except that they lived in Cleveland like during. You know the seventies and eighties. You know.
1: Oh my! Uh, that that's that's not embarrassing.
0: Well, I mean, I got partners. I got a few partners' family songs in there. If that's what you want.
1: All right. Well, here's mine, baby, and I'm huh. proud of it.
0: Is that even Bob?
1: Yeah, baby, Lil' Hansen.
0: I I don't think. Oh, let's see what I got here okay, yeah, yeah, we know what the song don't we'll need to I can sing along you know what you know what is awful now is that like stuff like that it will be in in your head now the rest in earworm the rest of the day.
1: Who doesn't love a good Hanson song? I am
0: ninety eight percent of the year
1: i was I was mowing my yard to Hanson yesterday yeah i i I do know that I do know that like you got some partridge family songs in there. Well, I do, I do,
0: I know, I do, but um, I can't find them anywhere.
1: You got any Barry Manilow in there?
0: Uh, I don't think I've any Barry. I don't think I've any Barry Manilow.
1: Although I have, okay,
0: okay, so here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. Like Abba, the same, same thing. I I, I can poo poo Barry Manilow, right? And I can you know, or or, or Abba, and yet I saw Mamma Mia, the the play, not the movie, but the the play, and thoroughly loved it. I saw a Barry Manilow concert on TV, you know, like a PBS special or something like that, and was just enthralled with the entertainment value of the guy, you know? But yeah, on the other hand, to be like, well, oh, I'm too cool for that stuff. Um, I interviewed David Cassidy years ago, uh, you know, speaking about the Partridge family. And I told him, I said, during the interview, I said, I said I, you know, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but, you know, when I was growing up, I, I, I didn't care for your music. <laughs> I said, my sister loved it, but I didn't care for it. He said, "Uh, that's okay. I didn't like it either.
1: (laughs) Was that your lead-off question to David Cassidy? Uh, No, it wasn't the lead-off, but it was, I think, maybe the one that you you used to wrap it up, you know? First of all, all, can we talk about how great the Partridge Family TV show was? That was a great show. It was, Danny Bonaduce made that show. Him and his exploits with Reuben Kincaid, the manager, a single mom and a band of kids and a crazy manager. It was fantastic. It was a great show.
0: The, the, I, can, I can do one better, though. And that was the VH1 made-for-TV movie about the
1: Partridge family. <laughs> Ooh, I never saw that one.
0: Oh, and, you know, one thing you and I do have in common is a love of really, 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 really bad TV.
1: There's no question.
0: I mean it's something you know my god, you know, I I can I can watch a bad behind the music or or or, or oh what what's the have you seen the one the Molly Crew one I think it's on Netflix the Molly Crew one called The Dirt? Oh no, I haven't seen that one. Oh, watch it, man. It is so damn bad you can't turn it off.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's- but the whole well, for that matter, I mean the I would put the Partridge Family up. What, what a, I mean, just the fact that you had them going to school, they were kind of famous and they'd you know play in the band at night, but she'd take them to school and then they would like play off David Cassidy's um celebrity. My favorite one was when they were booked at a black.
0: Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. McGraw, you understand people are listening to this, right? Do you really want them to know that you have a favorite Partridge Family episode? I mean, was... <laughs> this, this,
1: could, this could come back to bite you in the ass at some point, you know? It was the one where I think Danny Bonaducci booked them at a firehouse station. And it turned out it was a black firehouse in a black neighborhood. And they were like, oh, great. No one's going to come and watch. And they, like, funked it up that, that episode. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that show... And the wait, Dick Van ben... I want to hear more
0: about how the Partridge family funked it up. I mean, did, 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 did Tracy come out with her tambourine and an afro? I mean, what did, what did how do they how, how did the Partridge family funk it up?
1: Danny Bonaduce got down on the base a little bit more. That's what I'm talking about.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, regular George Clinton.
1: That one and the the uh the Dick Van Dyke show, I think are two of the greatest iconic sitcoms in the history of television.
0: Well, I'm not going to deny Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke was quality stuff.
1: Dick Van Dyke, I think, was the precursor to Seinfeld. He was writing for a, a comedy show about a show and the writers and the trials and the tribulation, the, you know, sort of his, his home life and his work life in show business. It was fantastic.
0: And the fact that Dick Van Dyke is still alive. And like, I, think he's about, I think he's 135 right now. And he, he's still alive and still, you know, spry and, uh,
1: yeah. Well, he, he's married to a 35-year-old woman.
0: Something like that, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. You know, I, I don't want to brag or anything, but um, I worked with Dick Van Dyke. You what? I worked with Dick Van Dyke. How? It was a diagnosis murder. I never told you this, this story? I don't think so. Oh, my goodness. So I'm an, I'm an extra. It's diagnosis murder. I'm an extra. And it was the one with Suzanne Plachette. Scott Bayo and Cynthia Gibb. It was a star-studded cast. And <laughs> and so you know, when you're just getting your start, they don't give you a trailer. I don't know if you 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 know that, but it, so I was just getting my start and I didn't have a trailer and I'm in the extra room all day long. Uh-huh. And I'm on my feet all day long. So they start filming down the hall somewhere in some other room. And I've I've been on my feet for like six, six hours. So I just, I sit down in Suzanne Plachette's chair, right? On the back, you know, the director chair, and it says Suzanne Plachette. And I didn't realize it was her chair. So I'm, and there's nobody else in this room. It's just me. (laughs) And so Dick Van Dyke. Dear dad, please tell me
0: you broke the chair.
1: (laughs) Dick Van Dyke comes over to me and he says, "Uh, hi, and I'm like, Hello. He says, um, could you do me a favor? I was like, anything, Mr. Dick, Dick Van Dyke. He says, can you sit in my chair? Because if Suzanne Pochette sees you sitting in her chair, we're all going to have a bad day. <laughs> i said so i said i'll stand i'll stand he goes no 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 no. please 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 sit in my chair sit in my chair and i was like okay thank you sir (laughs) you know a little known
0: fact dick van dyke's real name dick van dyke lesbian
1: what is it penis van lesbian wow that's pretty funny (laughs) you know uh, apparently he no, was no,
0: that, that 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 joke was funny in the 80s i think it'll probably get me canceled now
1: uh dick van dyke a raging alcoholic i well, mean raging he, he, yeah he was, no he yeah. he went and draw you know locked himself up in a room and went somewhere and but i mean uh dick van dyke you think about dick van dyke man that guy's been in i mean what a career that guy's had oh yeah no yeah.
0: definitely definitely and uh that uh, but uh, he said he was a raging alcoholic. I mean, he, but he as I read it, as I read it, he was like a real functioning alcoholic. I mean, yeah, he was. I mean, he was a serious alcoholic, but he wasn't like raging. And I mean, he would show up for work. And he would do his job and everything. And then after uh, you know, well, was I,
1: done. I, I, apparently he would go on benders. So, yeah. You know, he'd go to work, finish the job, and then you know, be missing for for four days. I loved when his his brother, right, Jerry Van Dyke, had to uh, uh, audition. For a part as his brother in the dick van dyke show <laughs> he's like but i'm his brother and they're like well you're gonna have to audition he's like i know but the part is for his brother and i'm his brother
0: <laughs> no nepotism on that lot oh okay so let's talk about something really important really important competition fishing <laughs> have you seen the story
1: is the greatest story of the week
0: i know i know because first of all who knew there was that big money in competition fishing i mean did 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 you know that there was that kind of that kind of cash involved?
1: only because i was dating a girl once who was divorced and i said what happened and she said well my husband came to me one day and said i have to leave you i want to fulfill my dream as a professional bass fisherman and i and i said there is such a thing and she said that's what i said
0: (laughs) you you would you would think you would think that would be like a second or third date question you know so so what are your dreams what are your aspirations
1: i have to go honey what's the matter
0: you don't you don't find out about that after you get married that's the sort of thing you find out beforehand
1: i need to fulfill my dream as a bass fisherman god love you Okay, um, so tur- any idea how tur- he
0: tur- did? I mean, did he yeah,
1: ever? Make- uh, well, he got to AAA. He he never got to the bigs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just the smallmouth bass, never the largemouth bass. Hey, oh, okay. So, so people that okay, so people that don't know about this, so let's tell the story. So, the story is these like champion bass, uh, walleye fishermen, right? The champion walleye fishermen, and evidently these they they've been winning tournaments left and right, I guess, for years, right? They like really respected. And this last tournament, the, the fish came in, like, really, really heavy. So it was, like, suspicious. So they coat open the fish, and they find there's, like, lead weights in there and uh, filet of fish, and they had, like, they, they like jammed other fish down its throat and stuff.
1: Hold on a second. They went to McDonald's and fed the fish a filet of fish?
0: There are other ways to filet your fish than just McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, so they, they go and they, 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 they stuff, they, they cheat. Not only is there competitive fishermen, but there are cheating competitive fishermen.
1: So I, I heard the guy who came in second, who ultimately won. And he was saying that this, this team, they've been suspicious for years. And they were so suspicious, they gave him um, a, uh, a, a lie detector test in in past competitions and sometimes they failed, so they've always been suspect of these guys cheating but they couldn't capture you know catch them and then this time they caught this fish and everyone thought it'd be about four pounds and it weighed in at like eight pounds and they were like wait a minute that's not an eight pound fish and they cut it open and they found four pounds of weights not only were these people idiot but you know throw in one or two pounds not four pounds
0: the the video these other fishermen they wanted to, they wanted to string them up, oh my god! I, I'm surprised I'm surprised that there wasn't a big fight after the way these guys were yelling and stuff. Um, but uh, but, now, but I now I mean they could be brought up on like on felony charges.
1: Uh, well, I heard they were caught, and then they were released. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Oh,
0: oh God. <laughs> God, uh, why do I laugh at stuff like that? That's just, that's just embarrassing. Oh, but that that, that, that story just blew me away. You know, what do you think about everything else going on in the world? (laughs) What's happening in Ukraine, North Korea, missiles over uh, Japan. You got Putin uh, threatening to drop the atomic bomb. It's good to have a good walleye story in the news, just to lighten things up a little bit.
1: Well, there's been a cheating story with fishing. There was a cheating story about online poker, and then there's a cheating story in um, uh, in chess. I don't know if you've been following that, but I just saw the headline. I
0: didn't read the story. I mean, like, like some twelve year old kid or something.
1: It's an eighteen year old kid playing Magnus Carlson, who's like you know the Boris Fatsky of the day, and apparently. Uh, this Magnus Carlson's convinced the other guy's cheating. They don't know how, but, but they're convinced he's cheating.
0: <laughs> uh, let's, uh, you know. And the thing with this, if it's your guy doing the cheating, you make excuses for him. You know, what I mean, you know, like uh, <laughs> when when Gaylord Perry was pitching for the Indians, you know the. Uh, <laughs> The spitball and the, the grease in the hair didn't seem to bother me as much as when he was pitching for other teams.
1: Well, I mean, really, this, this, this—they're treating other fishermen like he's the Barry Bonds of uh, of walleye fishing. I mean, it's just nuts. But
0: speaking okay, speaking about walleye and baseball, I'm going to tie this all together. Have you ever been to a game up in Minnesota?
1: I have been to a baseball game in Minnesota.
0: There are the Twins. Yes. You normally, you normally get, you know, hot dogs, maybe some pizza, right? At a ball game, right? A pretzel. Yeah. In Minnesota, in Minneapolis there, they have fried walleye. Is there anything that I want less at a hot summer baseball game than a fried walleye sandwich?
1: Yeah, but I ordered one and it was like eight pounds. I mean, it was, they really only felt like four, but they said it was eight pounds. Uh. Well, where don't they serve like sushi out in California, out at Giants Park? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, well, oh. sushi
0: at least has some has some quality to it, some glass to
1: it, you know. Yeah, class. Well, oh, all, right. all right, I gotta go. But um, where you gotta go? What do you gotta do? It's a half hour. It's just what it is. A half hour.
0: I don't It's a half hour podcast. I know, uh, so what you like, You a clock watcher?
1: Let them uh, leave. Let leave. Letting them wanting more. Do you, you ever notice that you ever mr stand up i got shit i gotta do i got people i gotta see um i i gotta go because i'm telling you my sister um became a grandmother today for the first time oh really yeah so you're so I, so, I'm,
0: so you're you're a mediocre great uncle
1: <laughs> is that what i am i'm a great uncle is that what i am you're a mediocre great uncle yeah well, I, the kid's been been alive for only four hours, so I really haven't been able to do much. Um, yeah, uh, they, uh, Robert Bukikio, welcome to the world. So there you go. Well, congratulations. All right, man. I think it. Hold on a second. I think it's Robert. I'm not sure. They haven't decided.
0: <laughs> uh, as always, a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Uh, be well, and uh, uh, don't uh, don't wait on your
1: walleye. I, uh, I'll, I'll I'll, tell you what, this podcast has been done and there's been no cheating in this podcast. We have not added any extra weight to either one of us. This is how much we actually weigh.
0: Uh, yeah, this, this podcast has absolutely no weight whatsoever. <laughs> Adios, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Um. Yeah.
1: Bye-bye. Uh- Koda Media Production.